diving in today to our series, back into our series, Love Handles. A series all about love, sex, and relationships. And if you missed any of it, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, week one, we talked about the lie of loneliness and the importance of community. Uh, week two, we talked about last week uh, the importance that a healthy relationship requires a healthy me. And really spoke specifically to those who are single in the room uh, with some application for those who are married. And today, I want to speak specifically to those who are married, but there will be application for those who are single as well in the room. But before I do dive in, I thought I'd have a little fun. Anybody else, maybe for me, when I was in elementary school, um, there were no mobile phones and no one had a phone to text so back in the day, we used to write love notes. Anybody else write love notes back in the day? Come on. I have a few love notes I found on, online this week, kind of funny ones. The team will throw them up. Uh, I have the first one, team. There we go. Dear Ashley, uh, I love this one here. He says, uh, Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot. Yes or no or maybe. And she circled no. Man, I, feel, I just feel bad for him already, you know. She says, I already have, I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle, but when we break up, you're my next choice. <laughs> P.S., that will probably be in a month or two. Come on, listen, if that's you, just end it now, okay? If you already know he's not the one, why wait, okay? I already feel bad for Kyle. Come on. All right, how about the second one? Uh, I think it's, uh, here we go. I love this. I'm angry at you, and I'm not talking to you today. And tomorrow. P.S. All day. It's the best one. P.S.S. I still love you. <laughs> you ever been there? Like, you're, you're, you ever you're upset with your spouse, but you're like, I still love you. But you're like, but I'm not, I'm not talking to you today. All right, here, here's the best one, I think. Or, the last one. Do you like me? Yes or no? I don't know, she responds. I don't know myself yet. I'm under a lot of stress at home, so I can't tell. P.S., you don't know yourself until you're 18. Come on. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Uh, there was one I didn't, I didn't share, but it was funny. I read one of them said, um, basically, I like you and I want to be your girlfriend, but my mom says I can't date anybody right now. Come on. I was like, you go, mom. You go, mom. But I love these notes because it reminds us that relationships can be complicated. Would you agree? And marriage can be complicated. In fact, may I say marriage can be hard. You know, I was thinking this week, one of my responsibilities in my house, uh, for those who are new, I have uh, three kids and a, a, a puppy, be a one years old this month actually. And I walk our, our one-year-old puppy, Toby. And... Every day I walk in, we walk by one of my neighbor's yards. And my neighbor has this yard that, if I'm honest, I have yard envy. It's lush. It's green. It's vibrant. There's not a patch of dead grass. There's not a patch. There's not an inch of dirt visible. Like, Toby loves this yard. Anybody else, you have a dog? Your dogs love certain yards. Like, there's certain yards. He, he sees, he's like, oh, I love it. So he always lays down in my neighbor's yard. He, like, loves his yard. Now, my yard needs some grace. Come on, somebody. I might have a, a few inches of some dead grass. Uh, I have three kids and, and a dog. Don't judge me. Um, but I, I was thinking about this because this, this beautiful, lush, green yard, it's not, it's not 
it's not magic. The reason it looks like that is every other day, my neighbor has these sprinkler heads that come out from underground, and it waters his grass. Like, his grass is so beautiful because the man waters his grass every other day. Now, we can be tempted, even in church, to walk into an environment like this, to go into a community group and see somebody else's relationship and say, wow, their marriage looks really green. And we can think, man, I wish my marriage looked that good or was that good. But can I help you out today? It's not magic. It's just when you, listen, if your grass is not as green as you would like it to be, water your lawn. Invest in your marriage. Work on your marriage. And here's what I want to submit to you. Healthy, vibrant, thriving, lasting marriage are possible, but they take work. In fact, I say it this way, they're possible, but they, but they, re, they require God-inspired perspiration. And I want to share today from God's word ways that we can have a healthy marriage. And I believe it's going to help us as we look to God's word today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. As we open up the scriptures, God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are a speaking God. And that we posture our hearts, our minds to receive for what you have for us in Jesus' name. Everybody said... I want to give you three points today. Three things for us to do to have healthy, vibrant, lasting relationships and marriages. Uh, And again, if you're single uh, and you hope to be married, take notes for your future. If you're dating or engaged, you can apply this now. Or even other relationships or some application. But here's the first point is we have to first prioritize our spouse. We have to prioritize our spouse. Ephesians 5.21, the Apostle Paul said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This kind of begins Paul's writing about marriage. And he points to the importance of Christ being at the center of your relationship. And can I just say this? Before you even prioritize your spouse, you need to prioritize your relationship with God. I heard it said this way. Your spouse is not your one. You know, people say, I need to find the one. Listen, God is your one. Your spouse is your two. That you make your relationship with God the most important relationship in your life. You know, I was was in college. I did my undergrad at the College of William & Mary in Virginia. And there was a building. I was a social science major, sociology and psychology. Where are my social science majors at? Come on, make some noise. It means that we were not good at chemistry. Come on. We took chem. We're like, the same for me. I don't feel called to this. God bless those of you in the medical profession, or many of you. But there was this building for the social science majors called Morton Hall. And there was a joke on campus because Morton, it literally looked like it was sinking into the ground. Now, they say it wasn't. However, what was documented was that Morton Hall had a faulty foundation. In fact, on several occasions, the walls of the basement cracked and water came in. Like repeated problem after problem after problem after problem. Why? Because of a faulty foundation. Can I tell you this? The foundation on which you build your marriage matters. Like do you build it upon the passion you have for each other? Come on, we learned last week, passion comes and goes, right? You may not feel passion when you're folding his laundry or her laundry, you may not feel passion doing those dishes. Come on, somebody. And you have that one pan that I feel like you can never get clean enough. <laughs> You've been there, right? You feel that. 
Right? Listen, or you, you, a faulty foundation is building marriage on common interests because interests change. Listen, build your marriage on the foundation of the word of God. And, and do not have a feeling-based mar- marriage, but have a faith-based marriage. Come on, married people. If you agree with this, say amen. Okay, listen. You may not always feel the same degree of love you felt on your wedding day. Can I get an amen? All right, some of you are being honest today. It's okay. It's okay. I know. You're like, I can't say it in front of my spouse. It's okay. Listen. Can I, can I help somebody out? Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. You choose to love. Listen, if you, if you are led by your feelings, you may feel offended because you asked him to take the trash out yesterday and now it's today and the trash is still there. But listen, faith reminds us that we are called to be quick to forgive. That our feelings may leave us say, you know what, I'm just too tired to help out around the house. But our faith reminds us that we are called to be a serve, to serve our spouse. My feelings, and can I be honest, I'm susceptible to this one, can cause us to be self-oriented and focused on my needs and what I want. But our faith reminds us we are called to consider our spouse's interests. And can I encourage you, do not build your marriage based upon feelings. Build them based upon your faith. As Solomon, the wisest man in history, says this, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Having Christ at the center. I love what C.S. Lewis says here. He says, when I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. In other words, if you want to have a healthier relationship with your spouse, cultivate a healthy relationship with God. You know what I found in my own life? That the Holy Spirit makes me a better spouse. Anybody else experience this? Remember years ago, I was at home working. Christina was coming home from work. I think we had two kids at the time. And I was preparing a sermon, a message. And while I was preparing this message, I had this strong reoccurring thought. It was my night to do the dishes. It was her night to cook dinner. I had this strong reoccurring thought that I should not only do the dishes, but also cook dinner. So I said, devil, you get behind me. I'm reading the (laughs) word of God. I'm a man of God. Surely this can't be you. It's, It's pulling me away from your Bible, Lord. But I couldn't let go. It's like it's like kind of this kind of almost nagging at me. So eventually, I got up, I cooked dinner, did the dishes, and bathed the kids. And when Christina got home, how many of you know it was she was a happy wife? Happy wife, happy life. I was honest with her. I said, "Listen, don't give me too much credit." The only reason I did this because the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me not do this. Hey, I'm not going to lie. Jeremy's flesh had other plans. <laughs> hey, listen, allow the Spirit of God to, to convict you to do those dishes. Allow the Spirit of God to move upon you to help out with the kids, even though it's their night to do the bedtime routine, but you feel this overwhelming conviction, I should do the bedtime routine. 
That you feel this overwhelming thought again and again. I should just surprise them with flowers or gift. Hey, be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, watch this. The conviction of the Holy Spirit can actually save you hours of marriage counseling. Now, I'm pro-marriage counseling. I am. If you've been around it, you know this. I'm pro-counseling. In fact, if you don't think you need counseling, you really need counseling. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you need counseling. But listen, the Holy Spirit, another word for the Holy Spirit is counselor. He wants to counsel you every single day. The best thing that you can do for your marriage is to seek God. Because he wants you to have a healthier marriage than you even want to. And I'll explain why. Because your marriage serves a much bigger purpose than you even realize. It will help you to love God in a greater way. So once we prioritize our relationship with God, we then prioritize our relationship with our spouse. Genesis 2.24 says this. Many of you have heard this before. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. That word leaves literally means to loosen or to relinquish. It means that when you get married, that your, your spouse, that now becomes the primary relationship in your life. It means your spouse is more important than your best friend's. Your spouse is more important than mom and dad. Your spouse is more important than your coworkers. Your spouse becomes a primary relationship in your life. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 10. He quotes Genesis 2. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. Two become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one. Watch this. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. This tells me if Jesus has to say, let no one separate, there may be some people and some things that will try to separate. When I was in elementary school, we played this game at recess called Red Rover. Anybody else play that game growing up? And what it was, you had two groups of people, two teams. And you would lock arms or hands with your team. And you would say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send James on over. And James would come running. His attempt was to break your clasped hands. Rather violent game for young children to play. (laughs) As I was describing it last service. But I thought about that because Jesus says that let no one separate, which tells us there are people, there are things in our life that can separate. Maybe for some of you, you're like me, that a struggle I've had is that what I have let at times get in the way of my own loving of Christina has been my work in years past. So maybe for you, it's Red Rover, Red Rover, bring work on over. And you have a mistress, and she's your career, or he's your career. And you justify it by saying, oh, well, I'm providing for my family. But if you are really honest with yourself, you have an idol, and it's your job. Maybe for some of you, it's Red Rover, Red Rover, bring the kids on over. For some of you, you've allowed your home to become a child-centric home. And your excuse for not having a date with your spouse in months or even years are your children. Or we haven't gotten away by ourselves because of our children. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't love your children. 
I'm just saying, listen, your marriage, your relationship with your spouse should take precedence over your relationship with your children. And if you're not careful, listen, then your, your children can become the center of your home. And hey, mom and dad, the best thing you can do for your children is to have a healthy marriage. Let me say this. If you're right now today, you admit when the pastor, my, my marriage is not healthy. Or maybe you have been divorced. I want you to hear this, please. You do not need to feel any shame for your divorce or for the condition of your marriage. This message, God's intent, nor my intent, is to ever make anyone feel shame. Jesus did not come to push shame on the hall. He came to take shame off of us. Can I get an Amen. I'm clear about that. My passion for preaching on healthy marriage, not to make anybody feel bad about some decisions they've made. Maybe for some of you, if Red Rover, Red Rover, bring mom and dad on over. Uh-oh. <laughs> some of you share too much with mom. Your mother should not know the intricacies of your marriage. You honor your mother. Don't let her come between you and your wife. Because your loyalty is to your wife first. I have counseled couple after couple who the tension in their marriage was that he was telling too much to his mom or she was telling too much to her dad. Listen, this is preventable. Hey, there are some times a mom is calling and you're in the midst of an argument. It's okay to not answer. It's okay to go to voicemail. You have, you have no obligation to answer the phone every time mom calls or dad calls or brother and sister calls. And here's the last one. Red Rover, Red Rover, bring sexual sin on over. Some of you, you've allowed your lust to impede your intimacy with your spouse. And you think you're less attracted to your spouse. It's because of what you let into your marriage. Hey, again, listen, please hear this. I'm going to feel any shame. But I'm gonna, I want to challenge you is protect the priority of your marriage. Is that your relationship with your spouse is more important than that with your kids, than that with your family of origin, than that with your work. Protect your marriage. Prioritize your marriage. Here's point two. You've got to prioritize your spouse. Number two, you've got to pursue your spouse. Pursue. Genesis 2, it uses this word united. The, the, the root word in Hebrew for united, it means to pursue intensely. A couple years ago, in fact, it was probably close to 10 years ago now, I went hunting. Now, I'd never hunted before in my life. I don't consider myself a hunter. But I, I didn't think there was much to hunting. I thought you just go out in the woods with your rifle and deer comes and there you go. Venison, Right? What I didn't realize was that we went out in this kind of rural part of Virginia with who invited me, and there was this guide, and he kind of knew the land really well. So he, he had like areas where he had set up sort of stands and different positions where he knew were good positions. And he knew based upon the climate, based upon the temperature, based upon whether or not it was mating season for the deers, like he knew their activity. In fact, I remember, I'll never forget, he, he, I was, it was like, I remember it was freezing. And he stuck me in this position. And he put us in all these different positions. And he said, right over here, about 25 yards away, there's a bed of, of, of leaves. And 
in that bed of leaves, there's probably at least one to three deer lying there. Just wait. They're going to come up. And guess what? They did. They came up sure enough. And what I was surprised by when I went hunting with him was how much intentionality it took. Like he, he studied the land. He studied the climate. He put out deer feed in certain areas to attract deer. And I, I was surprised. I just didn't anticipate that much intentionality to go behind hunting. That, in other words, you're not going to be able to, to find your deer by accident. Hey, I want you to hear this. I have never heard someone say they have a healthy, thriving, lasting marriage by accident. But I have sat down from couples who have told me this. I mean, I can tell you countless stories of people who said, I don't know how we got here. Because when they got married, at some point they pressed autopilot. And, and oftentimes it's because life is overwhelming, right? You're working 40 to 50 hours a week. You got, you're raising kids. You're taking care of aging parents. You got all this stuff going on in your life. So you, you put it on autopilot. You put it on cruise control. And what happens is you rarely drift into health and vibrancy. This is a life principle, by the way. You rarely drift into health in your life. You have to be intentional. Now, I want to challenge you to be intentional about pursuing your spouse. Hebrews 3.13, the author of Hebrews said this, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. That word encourage means to comfort, to encourage, to connect. So something I learned early in our marriage was the importance of having connection. I... Uh, we were probably six months in to our marriage. I remember I came home one night after we both were away at work. And I noticed, I went to kind of give a hug or a kiss. And I had noticed that I was warmer than Christina. She was a little colder than myself at that time. And I thought, did I do something wrong? Come on, fellas, you've been there before, anybody? Any, any guys? They're like, what did I do? What did I, what did I not do? I don't know. I'm so confused. God help me. And, and she, she ended up telling me, she said, when we, when we first, when we were dating, when we got, first got married, you used to, like, check in on me with text messages, like little text messages the other day. And then we'd have, like, just, just conversation. She just, just kind of stopped. And here's what I learned. This was new to me. Maybe this helps some of you. That connection comes before affection. Now, for myself, I was like, I don't, I don't need to connect too much. But I learned she needed to connect. And here's what I've learned. If you want healthy affection and healthy marriage, it requires a rhythm of connection. And you can't just put it on autopilot. Can I tell you what we do? We don't have a perfect marriage. We don't. We're constantly working on our marriage. It's constant work. But we do have a healthy marriage. And I think there's three things we do kind of rhythmically that help us in terms of connection. I want to give them to you. Number one is that we date weekly. If you do not have a weekly date, write this down. That's your action step. Now, I know all the excuses why you can't have a weekly date because I've given them myself. But I'm going to challenge you very hard right now. Because what a weekly date does, listen, especially if you are, are you're both working or, and you got kids and maybe you're, you're caring for aging parents, maybe one's in school. You have so much going on in your life. Listen, Every married couple is prone to become really good business partners. Oh, you, you pick up the kids this day? Oh, you got this? You got this? All right, high five. 
go. Anybody relate? So you have to cultivate. I say this way. We need husband and wife time where we have conversation and it's not about the kids or the finances or the house or whatever. We are just talking about each other. You got to have a weekly date. For us, we, we kind of do it together on our, our day off Monday. Every Monday we, we have a date. Now we'll like miss a week. Here's what we found. If we miss two weeks in a row, we feel it. We feel it. There's a little bit of tension. It's that. And it's not, let, me, let, me, let me de-romanticize it for you. Because don't think rom-com. Come on, somebody. We go to at the same restaurant every Monday for about 90 minutes. But I tell you what. Those 90 minutes while we have a date over eggs, I'm telling you what. It brings health into our marriage. Now, maybe you're thinking, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, well we, we, don't, we don't have that option. We don't have a babysitter. Here's what we did in some seasons. Is you put the kids to bed early. Come on, get blackout shades. Come on, somebody. It's nighttime. Dad, I see light. No, you don't. <laughs> it's nighttime. It's nighttime. The devil is a liar. <laughs> That's the best part of winter, parents. Anybody else? Because winter, it's like dark at 5. It's great. It's like 6 p.m., not nighttime. I have no idea. As they get older, don't let them have a clock in their room, okay? Pro tip, pro tip. So they don't know. Well, Dad, when you want me to go to bed at 8 o'clock, it is 8 o'clock. No, it's not. Your clock is broken. Put them to bed early. Hey, and I tell our kids, it's mom and dad's time. I love you, but I love her. And I don't love you less because I want to spend time with her. And again, the best thing you can do for your kids' parents is to give them a healthy marriage. Hey, and, we'll t- and then we, we get a, so we date weekly. So you got to fight for it. And listen, here's what I found. It doesn't come easy. You got to fight for it. You got to fight for it. Make it a priority. Make the sacrifice. Get the babysitter. Put them to bed early. Do what you got you to fight for. Number two is we get away quarterly. So we'll do an overnight for us normally. If we can't do an overnight, we'll take like a, a day, kind of a day date. Get away. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, I can't get away overnight. We don't have somebody to watch the kids. Then I would say once a quarter, take a half day off work or a full day. It takes several hours. For us, those quarterly are, are like kind of just check-ins. How are we doing? Uh, that we can have a lengthier conversation over breakfast and over lunch, and we can, we can have more detailed conversation. And then lastly, is we vacation annually. And so we get away once a year without the kids. Hey, mom and dad, you need a vacation without the kids. Can I get an amen? Kids are wonderful. They are a blessing. They really are. But listen, you need some mornings where the only mouth you feed is your own. Can I get an Amen. You, you, need, you, need it for your, you need a rhythm of connection with your spouse. It's important. It's important. Here's, here's what 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter says this. He says, husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life. Watch this. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, ladies, the weaker He's not referring to anything else other than physically weaker, that men are typically have more muscle. 
Not always, but typically. <laughs> Got to give caveats. But he says, watch it. He says, be considerate. Here, here, I want you to lean into this. Here's how much God cares about how considerate you are of your spouse. He says, if you're not, it will hinder your prayers. God's like, what? I can't hear you because you took that golf trip and you didn't talk to her about it. Come on, somebody. I, I can't hear you because, because she asked for this help at home, but she didn't love her and serve her. God cares a lot about how we treat our spouse. Listen, despiritualize it. Sometimes the best thing you can do is go home and do the dishes. Can I get an amen? That wasn't loud enough. It's okay, though. I don't know if you're like me, but I have a susceptibility to take my wife, Christina, maybe for your spouse, for granted. All the things that she does for our family, for me, and maybe that's not your issue, but I think you've been married long enough, probably you've had those days. Here's my question for you. So when the last time you showed appreciation to your spouse for what they do, that you've even said thank you. Hey, I don't think I've thanked you in a long time for how most evenings you cook dinner. Hey, I don't think I thank you enough for how you organize all the activities our kids are a part of. Hey, I don't think I thank you enough for all that you do around the house to make sure that things are taken care of. I heard someone say this way. If you think of something nice to say, say it. Thank them. Appreciate them. Then we can have a propensity to not be as considerate. You know, I have found this to be true, that most foods, not all, but most foods, are nowhere near as good as a leftover as they are when they're fresh. Have you found this to be true? Like when you, have you ever reheat a steak before? It's terrible. It's like rubber. You can't have enough A1 sauce. Come on, somebody. Reheat salmon? Don't even try it. It sounds horrible, Right? Listen, we know that leftovers are not as good. You, you feel it in your mouth when you're eating them. Like it was better last night. Listen, if you're married, especially the longer that you're married, we've been married 13 years, the more prone you are to end up giving this, your spouse the leftovers of your life. You've given out at work all day. 8, 10, 11, 12 hours. You've given out of kids. By the time you get the kids to bed, by the time they come in from work, you're just like, poof, I'm done. And listen, I'm susceptible to this personally. I fully admit that to you. So here's my challenge for you, if that is you, if you've ever been there, is to be intentional about serving your spouse. Again, I heard it said this way. If you think of something good to do, do it. can be as simple as you being considerate, as Peter says, be considerate of your spouse. You get up tomorrow morning before your spouse, hey, before they come downstairs or before they come out of the bedroom, have their cup of coffee made, come on, with their favorite creamer. Or, or maybe they typically do the morning routine with the kids and you do it. Or maybe you intentionally make their favorite dinner, even though it's taco night. You know they love this. You make it just because. Or you come home with flowers or a gift 
just because. I know it sounds simple. I know it sounds practical, but I'm challenging myself. The more intentional you are about serving your spouse, being considerate of your spouse, the more it will bless your marriage. If you believe it, can you say amen? Called to be considerate, to serve our spouse. So prioritize, pursue, here's number three, and you know it starts with P. Partner. Partner with your spouse. The word united in Genesis 2.24, it literally means for the two to become one. It means this, that when you get married, it's no longer about me, it's about we. That, that, that it's about us together. And if, I, if I've seen in my years of, of counseling couples, one of the number one causes of tension is somebody has not transitioned in their heart from me to we. And it's still about what I need and what I want and my desires and my dreams. They haven't transitioned yet to, to we. My son Judah played basketball last year and Remember, he had this, this he had a teammate who he was, like, obsessed with scoring. He wanted to score all the points. And no joke, there were some games he would steal the ball from his own teammate. <laughs> and his coach would be like, same team. It's like he forgot the goal was not to just score points but win games. Hey, Listen. If you're not careful, you can fall into competition with your spouse. And feel like I need to fight for my desires, my way, my dreams. Listen, when you get married, write this down. Your dreams no longer matter. It's now our dreams. What I want, it's about what we want. Now listen. I'm not saying you lay down what you want and let your spouse have whatever they want. It's a mutual submission process. It's, do you want to know how? I heard it said this way. Marriage is a death march to a life camp. Means the best way to have a healthy marriage is to lay down your life. for your. And when both people do it, when we say it's no longer about me, it's about we. Can I get a little more practical? It also means that when you get married, there may be some seasons you lay aside your dream to pursue your spouse's dream. It, it, it means that now, like for us, Christina's dreams are now my dreams. Her desires are my desires. Because the Bible is clear, the two become one. Some of you are having marriage problems because you're still acting like a whole person. You're a half. Stop acting whole. Stop fighting for my rights and my desires and my dreams, and you're wondering why your marriage is unhealthy. You're half a person. No longer me, but we. I love you. My name is Jeremy. I'm your friend. <laughs> but I see enough marriages, there's so much tension in the marriage because of selfishness. Can I be blunt? I'm called to lay down our, hey, husbands, 
The Bible says we lay down our life for our wife as Christ did for the church. It's not easy. It's not. I'm not perfect at it. But listen, we're called to lay down our lives for our spouse. One of the ways that we can do this is, let me share a scripture, Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. You know what I've seen? Where there is no vision for a marriage, a marriage perishes. So a lot of times when you get married, you had a vision for your life. You had dreams, desires. Now, a lot of times when there is, watch this, when there's two different visions, you have division. Division is not that you hate the other person. Division is just two different visions. So I'll give you an illustration. Christine's going to come up and help me to illustrate this. We have a tug-of-war rope. We're going to engage in tug-of-war before all of you right now and show you how to resolve marital conflict. But here's what it looks like in, in marriage is you can have, I'm going to get real practical. You have two different visions. So let's say I want to save money for a new boat. And she wants to save money for a bigger house. Or let's say, hey, I want one more child. And she's like, no more children. <laughs> That's not true, by the way. We're, the, the chapter's closed in the Burroughs household. <sighs> <laughs> or it can be like, you can be like, hey, I want to move with my career. And maybe your spouse is like, I want to stay right here. And watch this. Put a little tension on that. Is you're living with marital tension. Watch this. Not because you don't like each other. You love each other. But you have two different visions of where you're wanting to go. And you're putting unnecessary tension on your marriage. Can you give it up for Christina? She's amazing. <laughs> And listen, when you have conflict, husbands, always let your wife win, okay? <laughs> but listen, so here's what, here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you're here today, so one of the best things Christine and I did years ago, I still remember this trip. We were on one of our, our, our quarterly getaways. And we sought God together the entire getaway. It was one night. So we took these like 70 or, or 36 hours. And we sought God for a vision for our family. And we set a vision. Where do we see ourselves in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? And then we set family values. A lot of times we expect organizations to have vision and values, but we don't have one for our family. Vision's where we're going. Values is how we behave. So now what we do in our annual vacations and our quarterly getaways is we check in. It's as practical as this. Hey, we had this vision to save this amount of money by this date, but we're right here. Or we had a vision that we would be having our weekly date, as Pastor Jeremy told us to. Come on, somebody. But we haven't dated in two months. And you can have honest conversations about where we are in our vision and our values. And then every year it's kind of set, hey, here's the vision for the, here's where we're going this year. Here's how I want to save. Here's what I'm going to do with the house. Here's what we see with our kids. Here's where our careers are going. Here's what God's calling us to. Here's how we're going to be involved in the church. I mean, get detailed in your life. I'm telling you, if you do that, it will bring health and vibrancy into your marriage because you're on the same page about where you're heading. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke eleven seventeen: every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls, falls. Now, why is this so important? Why is it so important that we, we prioritize our spouse? We pursue our spouse. We partner with our spouse. 
It's not just so you can have a healthy marriage, although I want you to. It's not just so you would be happier married, although I want you to be. Here's why. It's because the mission of your marriage is far bigger than you. Ephesians 5 says this. Paul is writing about marriage in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Paul in verse 32 says this. He basically says, I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Listen, here's why your marriage matters more than you know. Because your marriage is the clearest depiction of the relationship between Christ and the bride of Christ, the church. Your marriage is bigger than you. And can I tell you, anecdotally, in my personal opinion, while I believe marriages, it's, it's, we see it almost culturally under assault. Confusion about marriage. We see marriages riddled with tension and stress and division and brokenness. Here's why. If I'm the devil, if I'm going to come after one thing, one relationship, I wouldn't touch a parent's relationship with their kids. I wouldn't even touch the church's relationship with each other. I would go after marriages because it's the relationship that resembles Christ and the church. So listen, when there's brokenness in the marriage, it's hard to see truly Christ in the church. But when there's health and there's wholeness and there's vibrancy, when we see a husband laying down his life for his wife and we see mutual submission in the marriage and we see health and vibrancy in the family, it shows the world it's not about us. It's about Christ's love for us. Your marriage has a mission and it's bigger than you. That's why this matters, church. Yes, God wants you to have a healthy marriage. Yes, he wants you to have a lasting, thriving marriage. But most importantly, he wants the world to get a glimpse of his unconditional love. I love how Pastor Jimmy Evans says it. He says, your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. I believe it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm going to be real with you. It's going to be hard. But listen, it does have a chance of success if you do things God's way. You prioritize, you pursue, you partner. And your marriage, God did not bring you and your spouse together just for pleasure or procreation. He brought you together for a purpose. If you believe it, can you say amen? With that said, I want to pray for you. Can you bow your heads with me, church?